you feel? And he is the champion, isn't he? Amen. We're glad you're with us this morning. Uh, how many here are just really cold? Let me just see your hands. There's a few hands here. If you want to turn it up a couple degrees, uh, Steve, I'd appreciate it. I want to try to be able to go home with my wife this morning. <laughs> that might help some of them. Plus, I'm preaching on hell this morning. So I, <laughs> I mean, it all goes together, doesn't it? <laughs> what, a, what should you preach on Father's Day? On hell, that's what you preach on. When we die, is it over? When we die, is it over? I, uh, I've thought about that sometimes as just saying a lost person. And you try to think, and you die, it's blank, everything is over. And you say to yourself, boy, that's empty. There's no hope in that whatsoever. And uh, I'm glad it's not that way, though. I'm grateful that uh, regardless if you're lost or saved, that's not the end. It's just the beginning. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, he says this, and it is appointed unto men once to die, now, when you die, but after this, after you die, the judgment. That means you're going to be alive. Something's alive in you, right? In order to face the judgment. And this is telling us that life of one's soul and spirit after physical death continues on. God's made our soul and our spirits Eternal. So when man dies, uh, he's partially judged in a sense. He goes to wherever he's decided in his faith or not faith. And we know that the Bible says when you die, the spirit goes back to God. But man still has a soul. First uh, Thessalonians says we're made up of body, soul, and spirit, right? So there's, we are a trinity in a sense. Now, some people try to say, well, the body sleeps when you die, meaning soul sleep. They say you're unconscious until the resurrection. Soul sleep is used as a defense to try to do away with continued suffering in hell, and they promote annihilation. It's just a moment in time, and then it's over with. But we know that death doesn't mean unconsciousness, but rather death means a separation. The only time it means cessation of activity is when death is applied to our body. Uh, James says this, uh, a body without the spirit is dead. <laughs> if you don't have the spirit, you're deader than a doornail, amen? The body is not the soul or spirit, and sleep never refers to soul or spirit, okay? It only applies to the body. So, mankind does not exist in only his body. It's body, soul, and spirit. And after death, you're still alive. Interesting verse Isaiah chapter 14, verse 9 and 10. Hell from beneath is moved for thee. Now, the interesting thing is, this is after the tribulation, this is the Antichrist 
coming down to hell. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief uh, ones of the earth it hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. And they shall speak and say unto thee, Antichrist, the Assyrian, art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? So that's telling us something. Those people had died, Antichrist had died, he's being sent to hell, and they are still alive. The body sleeps, but something else continues on the soul of that individual person. Paul says it like this, 2 Corinthians 5, 8. He says, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. What a hope we have. The moment we die, we're absent from the body. The body sleeps, but we're alive unto God. What a hope we have in Christ. He says in Philippians 1, 23, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart, from my body, and to be with Christ, which is far better. He said, I'd rather be in my soul with Christ, which is far better than remaining in this body here. And then at the end of the tribulation, or during it, I should say, that there were souls in heaven, and souls can be seen. They have your looks, your figure, and we know who you are. It states in Revelation chapter 6, verse 9, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the soul. He saw the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood? They died in the tribulation. And them that dwell on the earth... And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. So there once again you see that after death, souls seen, identifiable, they are actively involved even at that time. When the rapture happens, we believe that happens before the tribulation. And the, our departure, we leave earth to meet Christ in the air. We know that Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, their bodies are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring, what? With him. Now to be with him, they have to be with him. When he returns to meet the body of Christ, he brings their souls with him. And they're going to be reunited with their bodies, but glorified bodies. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 10, who died for us that whether we wake, we're alive, sleep, we should live together with him. First Thessalonians 4, 17 and 18 then. 
Then we which are alive, there's the generation that will not have to die physically and remain, shall not, I mean, shall be caught up together with them, the ones who preceded us in death, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What a comfort we have as believers. Now, we know the Bible, when you study it, it's time past, but now, ages to come. Time passed, he's dealing with Israel. They've been temporarily set aside. Their program's been postponed. Today, it's but now for the body of Christ. We're under grace. When we're raptured up, it begins then, the ages to come. God resumes his dealing with the nation of Israel in the prophecy program. We know that as we study. But we know that in time past, hell was below us. And there was a gulf that was fixed between a torment section and a paradise section. But both people go down to hell, whether one is saved or whether one is lost. If saved to the paradise compartment, the gulf that's fixed on the other side of that gulf is a torment section. There are many verses in the Bible. David said it this way, Acts 2.27, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Well, we know David didn't go to torment, but he went to hell. Amen. He went to the paradise compartment. Lazarus, chapter 16, verse 22. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. Hey, he still has figure. Being in torments and seeth. He can see eyes. Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence, from where you are, that to you cannot and neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. In other words, one compartment, Abraham's bosom, paradise. The other compartment, torment. And you can't pass because of this gulf that had been fixed. Now Jesus said, Luke chapter 23, verse 42, he says this, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today, the day I'm going to die, my body's going to sleep. Today thou shalt be with me. I will live even though my body is, I'm separated from my body. It's asleep, but I will be alive with me in paradise. Amen? After his physical death, he goes to hell, to the paradise compartment. So where is paradise? Matthew 12, 40. 
For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the well's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights. Where? In the heart of the earth. That's where hell is. That's where the torment and that's where the paradise compartments were residing. But since Christ rose from the grave, he's alive. He led captive, captive when he went to heaven. There's been a transfer. Transfer from the paradise compartment. Hell hath enlarged herself, but those in the paradise compartment were permitted to go to the paradise that's in heaven now. 2 Corinthians 12, 2 and 3. And I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I believe he's speaking about himself, I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the what? The third heaven is the abode of God. How that he was caught up into where? Paradise. And heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for man to utter. And when these people say that they've been to heaven and they're telling all about it, they're liars. Amen? You don't even utter what you've seen. And Paul, I believe, is this man who went there. But notice paradise was no longer in the heart of the earth, but now it's in the third heaven. Today when one dies, if an unbeliever he never puts his faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, okay? And he dies, his body will sleep, but his soul will go to the heart of the earth in the torment compartment. And by the way, I promise you, if you end up in hell, you'll remember every gospel message you've ever heard. You'll remember every church service and choir song. You'll remember every time somebody witnessed to you to become a believer in Christ. You'll remember every prayer that was prayed up for your behalf. Every invitation you had to come to Christ. Every opportunity to trust Christ and his gospel. That he died for you. He was buried and rose again. That's sufficient enough to save you. Put your faith in that alone. But you said no. You said, no, not now. I have plenty of time. Plenty of time never came. You said, no, I don't want to stop sinning. At least you're honest. Other things are more important to me. I don't believe that religious stuff. It's archaic. It's from the Stone Ages. But I promise you in the flames of hell and torment and thirst, you'll say, what a fool I was. How could I have been so stupid? What was I thinking? In hell, your soul will be separated from anything that's good, clean, and godly. No hope, maximum, maximum security. It's forever. That means no escapes, no pardons, no release, no chance of ever having a chance to get out of torment. In hell, everyone's depraved nature will be unchecked, unrestrained. I mean, horrible. And something I've learned, I want to share with you here. In the heart of the earth, in torment, 
you will be as a worm or a maggot. That's what you'll be. Mark 9, 43, 44. What if thy hand offend thee? Cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. Where there the people who died are in hell, their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Verse 48, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Some part of man's lost soul is considered as a worm, and it's never going to die. Think about that. Second Thessalonians says this here. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus Christ shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. That's when he comes at the end of the tribulation. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. It's no good if you end up hell. I just want you to know that. God's doing something too. Deuteronomy 32:22 says this here. For a fire is kindled in mine anger and shall burn unto the lowest hell. Now get that. And shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. There's a place on earth God's going to set on fire that will burn down through the earth, creating what we call a shaft to the, to, unto the lowest hell. From the top down to hell itself. Christ has partially fulfilled this, and there is a shaft, a passageway from earth's surface down into the underworld. And only souls go through this earthly passage. And by the way, Revelation 1.18 says that Christ has the keys of death and hell. But when Christ returns to earth at the end of the tribulation, he's going to literally burn, melt the earth out of this passageway, making it open. On the surface. Deuteronomy 32:22. For a fire is kindled in mine anger and shall burn unto the lowest hell. Okay? Now I just want you to see that again because during the thousand year kingdom, if you today, like you're lost, you're in hell, you will be there in the lowest hell. And during Christ's reign on this earth, believers will notice what you're doing and they will see you. Isaiah 66, 22 and following says this, For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship 
before me, saith the Lord. Gods, they're going to take the skirt of a Jew and go up to Jerusalem and worship. But after they worship, upon leaving Jerusalem, more than likely they will pass where Armageddon was fought. It will have taken them seven months to bury all the dead because there are so many dead. And there will be a memorial like Arlington Park, but also to help restrain sin during the kingdom from those that are born with sinful natures during that period of the time. There's something else that the people will observe as they go up and after they worship in Jerusalem. Isaiah 66 verse 24 says this. Isaiah 66, 24. And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed, transgressed against me for their, what? Worms shall not die. It's part of their soul. Neither shall their fire be quenched. And they shall be an abhorring unto Everybody, all flesh. This will be where this shaft is during the thousand year reign. A place where humans, all flesh, will be able to see the abhorring, the awfulness of a soul in torment. The suffering souls, they're degenerated into a maggot in a sense. And that will be a deterrent and all will see God's attitude towards sin. It's an amazing thing. This is just the beginning of those in hell. In the heart of the earth, tormented. Then they will be taken out to appear at the white throne judgment. And at the white throne judgment, they will get their final sentence. And we know they will be flung into eternal, their eternal destiny into a place from torment to the lake of fire. Now think that through. Into the lake of fire. The devil's the first one in it. He'll be there for your arrival. Somebody said this. It's a liquid body of fire. The sun is 25 to 30 million degrees Fahrenheit, and it will be something like that forever. And the reason why, Matthew 25, 41, then shall he say also to them on the left, depart from me, you curse into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And those shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous, the believers, into life eternal. You see, the real tragedy is hell is avoidable. God so loves us sinners that he and he alone provided the only way to escape hell and go to heaven. Romans 5.8 says this here, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, his only begotten son died on a cross 
took your sin, took your place, took your punishment upon his body. He shed his blood and he died. And because of that message, 1 Corinthians 15, 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. Verse 3, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. If you will believe in that truth right there, you can have your sins forgiven and never go to hell. Why would anybody here today say no to Jesus Christ? Amen. Romans 10:9 says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans 8, 32, he that spared not his own son, the father, his son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He not only gives us eternal life, he comes and takes up residence with inside of us to help us to grow in our faith. And he gives us promises, prayer promises for our lives. I'm so grateful for that. I'm about done. I remember one night as a young lad, I was having stomach trouble and they thought it was appendicitis. I went to the hospital. And that night, I was next to a little black girl. She had been severely burned. They pulled a curtain back one time, and I saw her bleeding and the scabs. And all she could do was scream all night. There was no relief for her. And then you think about hell. Jude, verse 23, says this here. And others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Sooner or later... We believers have to get serious about there is a place called hell. And we have friends, we have loved ones, family, and they're without Jesus Christ. That hell that I mentioned, that's where they're going to be unless we can share the gospel with them and them be saved. That's so important. I really don't believe that most of us truly believes in hell in a serious way. Because if we did, we'd live for Christ. We'd be more faithful to the things of God. We'd talk to more people about their souls. We'd agonize in prayer for their souls. Is there a family member in your... Do you know where they're going? Or do you even care? Do we care enough to even share Christ with them? We need to agonize in prayer as Abraham did for Sodom and Gomorrah, as Christ wept for Jerusalem, as Paul was willing to give up his own soul so that his people could be saved. And if you're here this morning and you've never been saved, if your heart were to stop beating that moment, where would you have gone? Would it be to paradise in heaven? or to the torment compartment waiting 
for the white throne judgment day to be cast into the lake of fire even then. We would beg with you, please, don't go to hell for anybody. This day, right where you are, believe in Christ, who he is. He's the son of God. What he's done for you, he died for you, was buried and rose again. Believe in that in your heart and he'll save you just like that. It's not anything we do. It's not our membership, our baptism, our giving money, our works. No, it's all what his work has accomplished and that alone. God, I believe that I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. I'm unrighteous. I'm as filthy rags. But God, I've heard how your son went to the cross for me and how he rose from the grave. And today, God, I believe that what your son did is enough to save me. That was for me. And I believe it with all my heart. And if you would do that, God would save you right there where you are. Let's just bow our heads for a second. And right where you are, I'm going to say a simple prayer. If it could help you, just pray a prayer like this in your heart right now. Just saying the prayer doesn't save you unless you believe it in your heart that it's for you. Dear God, just repeat it right in your heart. I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I do believe that Jesus Christ is your son who died for me, for my sins, was buried. And three days later, I believe he rose from the grave alive. God, the best way I know how, I just tell you today, I believe Christ is my Savior. I hope that you just did that so that you don't even have to worry about this awful place I spoke about this morning, but that you can be assured heaven is our home. Heaven is our citizenship. And one day we'll be there with him. Father, bless all the people. Help us to talk to people about Christ. Help us to share the greatest gospel that's ever been preached, the gospel of grace. And we, may we not be ashamed of it. May we stand on its truth, whether we're young or whether we're old. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.